Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Let's give it up for your pastor, Pastor Jonathan. I was super excited when you guys called him as your pastor. I remember when he was like nervous interviewing here. I said, Jonathan, the Lord will decide. And praise God, he decided to put him here at First Baptist Walnut Valley, which I still have a really hard time saying, because in my mind, it's Walnut Valley Baptist Church. But that's okay. You know, that's how I am. You know, my church is the first Southern Baptist Church of Anaheim. We haven't changed anything. We just keep on going. Why? Well, because, uh, you know, we just keep on going, right? We keep on going on mission for the Lord. And I am so excited to be here this morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah, you ready to hear from the Word of God today? All right, well, then let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I'll tell you a little bit more about ourselves, myself, and then we'll get into the Word, all right? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning, the opportunity to be here at one of your many wonderful churches that have gathered, Father God, this morning to worship you, to love you, and to take part in your ministry, Father. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here at First Baptist Walnut Valley. Father God, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us this morning, Lord Jesus. You gave a word that was specifically for all those who gathered here in this time, in this moment. So, Father God, help us to hear it. And, Father, I pray that you give strength and courage to me to preach the words that you placed in my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you heard Pastor Jonathan introduce me. My name is Victor, okay? And that's probably the easiest part of my name to say. But again, being it that we are family, and I don't want this to be the last time that we've met, or I don't want you to, like, be kind of fearful of reaching out or starting a conversation, because I really would like to get to know you on this side of heaven. Hi, Libby. Um, you know, on this side of heaven, since we're going to spend an eternity together anyways, right? How many of y'all believe in Jesus, have confessed your sins, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and know that you're going to heaven today? Raise your hand. All right, praise God. If you have not, today is the day. You see all these people? You came here to this place anyways, all right, to spend some time with them. Why not spend eternity with them and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? But, you know, not my name is not just Victor. I have a couple nicknames that they've given me through the years, okay? The first is Little V. Why? Because I was really small. You know what I mean? I was the shortest kid in my class growing up. Uh, another is VTAC, okay? This stood for ventricular tachycardia, right? Um, I was a doctor before I became a pastor, and they could not say my last name. So they just called me VTAC, which was kind of a problem when I did my rotations in the emergency room, because everybody would be like, VTAC, where's VTAC? And they'd be like, where? Which room? Oh, you're talking about him, the little Asian guy, okay? Some people call me PV, right, because I guess they don't have the time to say Pastor Victor, you know, and that's good, and you can call me that. And again, some people just call me him. That's him. That's him. You know what I mean? And the way they said it, um, you know, which is kind of the way that it is. My first name is actually not Victor, okay? My first name is actually pretty long. You put it up there. Yeah. Can you guys say that? Okay, that's good. Some of you are like, absolutely not. It's too early. Get me more coffee, right? This is my first name. This is what's on my driver's license. The only person that calls me this is my mother. So if you say this to me, I think I'm in trouble, okay? It's my first name. It's pronounced Woodichai. Everybody say Woodichai. Woodichai. All right, this actually comes from two words which have meaning because 
all of them, our names all have meanings, and our parents have high hopes for us. The first part is Woody. Everyone say Woody. Woody. All right, it's not Woody, okay, because my language is a very phonetic, musical language. Wonderful music up here. Let's give it up one more time for our worship team. Wonderful. That's the music. My goodness. All right. Woody means knowledge. Yeah. Tai comes from the word Taitana. Everyone say Taitana. Taitana. All right, not Chai China, okay, but Taitana. Taitana means champion. Yeah, yeah. So Wudachai means champion of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Me, big brain. Yeah, me, big brain. Not just big head, big brain, okay? All right, you heard your wonderful pastor, my dear friends and sister who I've loved and prayed for every single day, right? He said my last name. He did a great job because actually I don't even say my last name right, okay? But I will tell you the way that I say it. Why don't you try it? One, two, three. Killed it right there. That dude is part of my family. Thank you. And so are all of you, okay? This is Chaya Sarisabon. Chaya Sarisabon. That's right. My dad at some point wanted us to shorten our last name. I said, Dad, why? You're a famous neurologist, a wonderful Christian. You've made our last name our good. We're going to keep this, okay? And it also comes from two words, all right? The first is chaitanat. Do you guys remember what chaitanat means? Chaitanat? Okay, a couple short-term memory intact. The rest of you, I'm a little bit worried. About to call my dad, okay? Do some EEGs and stuff, all right? Fantastic. Maybe some CAT scans, all right? Yeah, chaitanat means champion. The middle part there is Siri. Everybody say Siri. It's not Siri like your Apple, you know, AI secretary, Okay. Siri, Siri, all right, Siri means beauty, yeah, and Soban, we just add to make it long. So, Chaya Sarisabon means champion of beauty, yeah, can you see it, huh, huh, this side's my good side, you guys are very blessed on this side, you guys are equally blessed because you get to see me, that's fantastic, all right, so I'm Wudichai Victor Chaya Sarisabon. You know, God has given me many roles, and I want, uh, again, I want to say that God has given me many roles. So if any of these roles connect with you, I'd love to get to know you and say, hey, I'm that too. Okay, I do all these different things. Uh, I am the pastor of First Southern Baptist Church of Anaheim. I'm the principal of, oh, I'll read it for you, the principal of Anaheim Discovery Christian School. Yes, if I look tired, it's because I principal of preschool through 12th grade, Okay. Uh, I am the director of missions of Orange County Southern Baptist Association. There's now 154 churches. Can we clap it up for that? Yeah. Working together to do the mission in and around Orange County. And let me tell you, it is not ironic that God called a principal to be the director of missions of those 154 churches because hurting pastors is like hurting cats. Okay. All right. And of course, I'm also the president of the Orange County Southern Baptist Foundation. Okay, and so, hey, if you need estate plans, let us know, okay? I'm a father of four. Okay, I got four kids. Yeah, the, the youngest is five. He's the terrorist, okay? And I have two teenage girls, 15 and 14. So if you haven't started praying for me, start praying now, okay? And uh, I'm the husband of one, so that's pretty good. You know what I mean? And I am the most important title that I have, child of God. How many children of God in here? Raise your hand again. Yeah, let's come it up for that. 
Jonathan mentioned I have many degrees. Here they are. We'll put them up there for you. Okay, they'll be real small for you. Don't worry. Okay. All right. I actually have three doctorates, seven master's degrees, and two bachelor's degrees. Forgive our guys in the back. I barely sent them my slides like 30 minutes ago. So you guys are doing awesome. Who am I working with? What's your name? Eric and Manny. Let's give it up for Eric and Manny. Give them some love. You can tell this is a family gal. I'm sorry. If you don't like it like this, it's just the way I roll, okay? Eric and Manny, thank you so much, all right? I have three doctorates, seven masters, and two bachelors, and let me tell you something about them. You know, yes, I love learning, but they are all toilet paper if we don't use them for Jesus Christ. Amen? All right? Now you're looking at me, and you're looking like that guy's Asian, but what part of Asia is he from? Well, I'm going to put up some pictures here, and hopefully they'll come up. There they are. All right, Beautiful representing some places that will make you hungry right now, and these represent places where I'm from, okay? So, does anybody know what this is? This right here. Ooh, chow man, good guess. Look closer. All right, this is, um, let me see here. We like elephants. Our country is shaped like an elephant. Yes, have long lasting. That's right. That is Pad Thai because I am from Thailand. That's right. How about this right here? Anybody know what this is right here? Yeah, that is our friendly neighborhood pho, especially if you live near Garden Grove, right? And pho is from where? Vietnam. That's right, I'm from Vietnam. Of course, up here, you got these wonderful, delicious little things. You rub them in hot mustard, and they clear up your sinuses. That is called shumai, and shumai is from where? China. That's right, don't be afraid to say it. It's okay. Okay, none of the Chinese people will get mad. It's okay. All right. And lastly, do you guys know what that is in the upper right? Love those. Oh, you know. Fantastic. And where's escargot from? France. That's right. I am Thai, Chinese, Vietnamese, and French. Yes, very romantic. Bonjour. All right. All right. And that is where I'm from. Okay. I was born right here. Put it up there for me, brothers. That's right. Canada. Not just Canada, yeah, wow, I got some clouds in Canada. Usually it's like, boo, go back to your country, you know what I mean? We call it the true north, strong and free. We're working on that, okay? And uh, I was transplanted here when I was about, in 1984, when I was six years old, where I grew up in this beautiful city right here, Norwalk, yeah. So I really grew up around Hispanic people, and I'm actually more comfortable around Hispanic people than I am around Asian people. You're like, no, but you're the king of Asians. I know, but I'm more comfortable around Hispanic people, okay? And so that's a little bit about me, and hopefully if we connect after service or online, I mean, look, if you Facebook my last name, you're gonna get me because there's not so many of us in the world, you know? There's maybe 12 of us, and there's like, well, I actually have the biggest batch that's here because of my family. Uh, this morning, we're going to do a message called Better Together for What's Next, okay? Better Together for What's Next. This is actually the theme, or was the theme, of our most recent California Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. How many of you had the chance to go to that annual meeting that was up in Fresno just this past week? All right, fantastic! Yeah, that's why I'm bringing it to you, right? Because I wanted to bring it to you, package it for you, and do it from basically my angle where I would have delivered it, okay, in, in terms of a sermon, because we are better together for what's next, and we're going to talk about that this morning. And where we're going to get that from, where we're going to go in the Word, is one of my favorite books. So everybody take out your Bible or your cell phone and hold it up. 
Hold it up real high. This is the word of God. Amen? All right. He gave it to us in our love. What are you guys doing? Hold up. Hold it up. Hold it up real high. I was a medical doctor. I need you guys to hold this thing up, man. Don't be ashamed of the word. Hold it up. If you have your phone, you can hold up your phone. Wow, some very nice phones in here. Rich people. Okay. All right. This is the word of God. He gave it to us in our language now, in versions that we can understand. If you say that God doesn't speak to you, it's because you never read his word. It's like an email that went to junk and a text that you saw while you were driving but never opened. Why would you do that? It is not a decoration that you hold or that you put behind you when you're Zooming, okay? It is meant for you to read, and we hold it up high in our lives. Hold it up high. Come on, church family. All right. As we exercise this morning, go. One, two, one, two, one. What are you guys doing? This is our unity moment. Better together. Up high. There we go. Go. One, two, one, two, one, two. One, two, one. It's a unity. We're supposed to do it together up high. You're getting tired? You're not COVID tired, are you? Go. One, two, 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 one, two. Switch hands. Come on, man. What do you mean, like, serious? What happened? Let's go. One, two, one, two. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. I think that's seven. Okay, good. Exercising Christians make healthy Christians. Open up your Bible, feed your mind and your soul. We are in Nehemiah. And if you have eyes like mine, you can't see that anyway, so you better look it up in your Bible, okay? Because I can't see my notes, so thank you, Manny and Eric in the back, so I'm going to be looking at that, Okay? And today, we're going to go over, okay, a couple chapters in Nehemiah really fast to make a point, okay? How many of you have read Nehemiah before? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you. How many of you have read it in the last year? Raise your hand. Okay, Nehemiah is one of my life books and demonstrates how we're better together for what's next, okay? Now, Nehemiah. Okay, was a man who was a cupbearer for the king. Okay, you can see that in Nehemiah chapter 1. It says, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that has survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. Why? The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So let me just set this up. This is in the Old Testament. This is a time where Israel has disobeyed God, okay? So God allowed the Babylonians to come take over the area, okay? They were exiled. Okay, and many of their best and brightest taken who survived. But then the Persian Empire came, took over for Babylon, ruled Babylon, and let some of the Jewish people go back to Israel where they lived. And we have a major problem. And that major problem was, did you guys hear it? The walls around the city were burned down. Okay, were burned. Okay, now that's a problem if you're a city. Why? Because... People could raid you. 
It's like having a house with no locks or, in your case, an alarm system that connects straight to the police, okay? All right? And so, you know, that's what's going on in the city. Now, Nehemiah, even though he lived in a palace with Artaxerxes I of Persia and was his cupbearer, the guy who basically drank his wine to make sure that he didn't die of poison, because that's the number one way to kill a king in those days, poison, all right? He actually felt for these guys, and it says that. It says, and when I heard these things, I sat down and wept, because men don't cry, they weep, okay? And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Even though Nehemiah was in Persia, and there was all these foreign gods, Nehemiah held on to his faith in God, okay? And uh, he felt for his brothers who came from Jerusalem, okay? And he said this in verse 11, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and to the prayer of your servants who delighted in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. And what he meant by that was he's going to go to the king and he's going to say to him, listen, I got to go. I got to go back to my city, Jerusalem, because my brothers, they need help, okay? And God, will you help me to talk to the king so that he will let me go? Now, again, you maybe don't know why this is big, but it's big because, again, this is the main guy, right? Kings consider cupbearers lucky or not lucky. The longer a cupbearer survives, right, the luckier this man is because usually cupbearers don't live long because people are always trying to coup the king. So Nehemiah was a very, very important man to King Artaxerxes. But as he prayed to God, God answered his prayer. And, of course, King Artaxerxes got his problem. What we learn from this first part is one thing right here. Nehemiah did not forget where he came from. And we can't either. Okay? With all of the success that God gives us, we cannot forget where we came from. With all the experience and the wisdom that we can't, that we gain. We can't forget where we came from. And that's why the Bible reminds us to be humble. I've got 12 degrees. Does that mean I'm better than all of you? Yes, it does. No, just kidding. It doesn't. Okay? In fact, it makes me far worse if I lose who I am and where I came from. And who did it? Right? And who did this for me? Who allowed me to make it through those days? Well, Jonathan, my study partner. Yeah. But mainly, Jesus. Okay? Is Jesus blessed your life? Does Jesus still love you? Is Jesus still calling you on his mission? Don't forget where you came from. Okay? And Nehemiah did not forget who the Lord was. And it wasn't the king. We have many people who act like kings and queens of our lives, telling us what to do, how to live, and how to act. And guess what? That's fine. There's always going to be those people. My mom is one of them, okay? My dad, I walk with him every day, and he tells me every day exactly what I'm doing wrong, okay? In fact, the one time he told me he was proud of me, I said, don't say that, Dad. Don't you ever say that to me, right? Is there something wrong with you? And he's like, no, son, I'm proud of you. Stop it, okay? But we need to not remember who God is. He is Lord. He is the one in control. And Nehemiah, through it all, did not forget he was. We go to chapter 2, okay? And in chapter 2, we get some of the players, okay? Nehemiah talking to the king, 
The king lets him go to rebuild this wall, and we get two of the villains in our story. Sanballat, I don't know if you pronounce how you pronounce his name, but he can't pronounce mine either, okay? Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite. And they set themselves up in chapter 2 as people who were going to be against Nehemiah and against him building the wall. Because listen up, whenever you do something good for God, how many of you are living for Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay, a lot of you. Some of you a little bit slower. Okay, all right, good. Be thinking about it, praying about it. Okay, how many of you living for Jesus again? Whenever you live for Jesus, especially when you do something good for Jesus, there's always haters. Yeah? Do you feel that? Or am I just talking too fast? There's always haters. All right? And it hurts even more when those haters are related from you to you or close to you. Sambalot and Tobiah were not so distant from Nehemiah and his people. And the enemy used them to hate on him. Hate on him so not, not much that, again, it was meant to discourage him. Was Nehemiah discouraged? Well, the Bible doesn't say. But Nehemiah was not God. He was human, just like you and me. And sometimes we get discouraged, don't we? Right? That doesn't mean we don't push forward. Okay? We push forward. Okay? So one of the ways that we push forward was Nehemiah did his homework. In chapter 2, it says, By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal wall and the dung gate. Ooh, I wonder what that's for. Examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Okay? So what is Nehemiah doing? He did his homework. Sometimes when we want to do things for God, we just go spur of the moment, right? And that's great. You have passion. But as Christians, God also calls us to do the homework, do the research, Think, use your brain, right? God gave you a brain? Raise your hand if God gave you a brain. Lots of hand raising here today, exercising. I'm a doctor. I'm sorry. I got to get you good. Okay? All right? All right. Raise your hand again. Just for cuz. Okay, good. All right. God gave you a brain? So use it. Well, my brain's not so good anymore. Use the parts that are good then. Okay? Get a friend to help you with the parts that are bad. I can't remember anything. That's what my children are for. That's why we keep going back to Target, because they said, Dad, you said you were going to go take us to Target. I said, I don't remember that. Yes, you did, Dad. I think they're tricking me, okay? All right? He did his homework, because he had a big task ahead of him. And it continues in verse 17. It says, then I said to him, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them that the gracious hand of my God, my God on me, told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. So Nehemiah did not just do his homework. He did not just look at the task and run away. Okay? He said he was going to do it. Okay? He was going to go for it. And then he said, and they replied to him, 
Let us start. Let us start. Everybody say us. It wasn't Nehemiah by himself. It was us. Who was us? Everybody that was willing. How many of you guys are willing to serve Jesus today? Raise your hand. Okay. Even, wow, you raise your hand. Even though your hands are so tired, you rose them like 10 times already, right? Yeah. Nehemiah needed everybody he could. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Of course, again, whenever there's a good thing happening, they send haters, right? So in Nehemiah 2, 19 to 21, it says, but when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Abonite, Official and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. You ever get mocked for believing in Jesus? It's going to happen more. Okay? Persecution is coming more and more because we believe in the word of God. And the word of God has a certain way to live your life that has guardrails, boundaries, and standards. You have parents who are supposed to parent. Men who are supposed to be men. Women who are supposed to be women. We have standards, and they are God's standards, and ain't nothing wrong with that. Amen? But because of that, you're going to be mocked. You're going to be ridiculed. Guess what? That's okay. Happened to Jesus, going to happen to you. Okay? Thank God we have each other. We go cry into each other's arms. Very often, Jonathan comes and cries in my arms. No, just kidding. Okay? <laughs> It's vice versa. Like, Jonathan, hold me. Okay? And it's okay because we're friends. And you're supposed to have friends. You have friends? Yeah, you have a friend in Jesus. We sang about them. We prayed about them. Thank you. All right? But you should be friends with each other. Okay? Set up these chairs facing me. See the shelves. Okay? But you should be looking at each other, facing each other, living life together. That's why God puts you here together. Have you been to Libby's house? I have. It's wonderful. Okay? Go to Libby's house, even if she doesn't invite you. It's going to be fantastic. Okay? Be friends. Okay? All right. So they get to work building a wall. Want to see it? If you want to see it, say amen. If you didn't say amen, it's happening anyway. Okay? <laughs> and in Nehemiah chapter 3, we have a list of everybody rebuilding the wall. Are you sick of the Bible yet? Okay, good, because we're going to read more of it. Here we go. It says this, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. Wow, the priests were building a gate? I thought they were priests. They're supposed to be talking about God all the time. Okay. They dedicated it and installed its doors. After building the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel, they dedicated it. It says, the men of Jericho built next to Eliashib, and next to them, Zachar, son of Imri, built. It says, the sons of Hasanah built the fish gate. Wonder what that was for. They built it with beams and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. And next to them was Miramoth, son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, made repairs. Beside them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, son of Meshezebel, made repairs. And I know this is the part when you read in this chapter, you guys just kind of skip to the end. Okay? You're like, oh, lineages again, going to the next chapter. But come on, man. If your name was on this list, you know you'd read it. If you know you were looking for your family, you know you read it. And this is our family. These are the people who built and rebuilt the wall. And there's a whole bunch of them. And for the purposes of time, I'm not going to read through all of them, but I need to see something. There was also Shalom, son of Halohesh, and his daughters. Man, his daughters even got involved. What? Girls doing stuff? 
No way. Okay. Well, men, you still need to step up. Okay. But yeah, that's amazing. Okay. And Malkijah, son of Rechab. Do you know why he was important? Anybody? Come on, Bible scholars. Jonathan, what are you doing? You didn't tell them why Malkijah, son of Rechab, was important? One of the most important people in the whole Bible. Okay. All right. Malkijah, son of Rechab, is the guy who repaired the dung gate. Okay? No dung gate, no poo-poo out the city. Okay? And so all of these guys, look at the names from all different places. All different kinds of people. All different kinds of professions. All different types of nations. All different ways of life working together because they all live in the city. Answering the call of the leader sent by God who could have stayed in that posh palace drinking wine all day. But instead, God sent him to the holy city of Jerusalem. Okay, in the area that has all kinds of drama that we need to pray for right now. Okay, in order to do a work so that the people there, the families there, the children there, the temple there could be defended and used as a place once again to worship God. Not just one person. All different kinds of people. Not, not just males. Females too. Not just priests. Regular people too. Not just the rich, but also the poor. All working together because they were better together. Old Testament stuff. Okay? On top of that, in Nehemiah 4, not only did they show that they had to build the wall. By the way, some of these people never picked up a rock. Like, how do you build a wall? Well, let me tell you, as somebody who's built many walls, you know, I am from China, okay? Um, we just put one rock on top of the other, okay? That's it. Same way. You know how you build a wall in faith? Same way. You just put blocks next to each other. Same way for thousands and thousands of years. Okay? But they only not just had to build a wall, they had to defend it. Because you know what happened? Those haters came. Okay? And they were threatening to attack the wall. Can you imagine? Not only have to build this, I have to watch my back. And so what does it say in Nehemiah 4? It says, From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. What happened to the guns? We had a strike, right? No, we're BC. No guns yet. Everybody calm down. Okay. All right. It says, the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Wow, you thought your working conditions were bad. Right? These guys had to carry swords, bows, and arrows. So why did they continue to work? Why not just leave? I mean, Hawaii was just a couple miles away. No, they didn't know about Hawaii yet, okay? Why stay? Because they loved the Lord. Because this was their home. Because they loved their neighbors. And they fought so hard just to get back there. The 140 years after they'd been exiled, they stayed there. Because even though that wall was in rubble, it was a familiar wall. It's the wall where their great-granddad 
told them stories of how that wall used to be good and used to be bright and about the temple. And so they stayed and they risked their lives building and defending. Of course, with anything also where you have people, you're going to have drama. This church is a family. So I fully expect this family to have some drama. If you don't have drama, then you're not a family. Okay, so when it happens, the next time it happens, preferably not around Christmas because that's where we celebrate Jesus' birth, okay? But maybe right in the new year for Johnson, okay? Just remember, we're a family, okay? And what family arose in Nehemiah 5? It was some tax issue, okay? So still others were saying we had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. And although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews and though our children are as good as theirs, Yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. You see, they were borrowing to rebuild the wall. And those people who were borrowing, giving them money to borrow from, were taking advantage by charging them interest. Imagine people that were fighting alongside each other. But that is the heart of man. That's why our God is not money. Amen? And when Nehemiah called them on it, they said, no more interest. We're sorry. Okay? And sometimes we have to call each other on stuff as well. But in Nehemiah 6.15, all right, we finally get to the point. The point that you've been waiting for. Okay? And that was, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul. When is Elul? I don't know. Okay? Let Pastor Jonathan tell you. He was smarter than me in seminary, okay? But needless to say, how many days did they finish the wall in? 52 days, which is leading to my new book right here. Put it up there for me. 52 Days of Perfect by Victor Chaisurfman. Buy it today. No, just kidding, okay? No. They built it in 52 days. That's all it took them. Can you imagine that? How long were these walls in rubble? Well, let me put you some history. 586 B.C., the Babylonians destroy the wall. 444 B.C., Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem. Asian math, do 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 144 years between those events. Okay? Now, are you ready for some real statistics? If you like statistics, say amen. I like very little amens in there. That's okay. It's happening anyway. Okay? All right? Let me put a number up there for you. Put it up there for you. Oh, does anybody know what that number is? Oh, I'm coming down. Does anybody know what that number is? 1,011.46. None of you, none of you all in the back that were scared of me? Oh, I'm back here. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Hi, Maddie and Eric. Oh, you're much more handsome. Up close. Tap, 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 tap. 1,011.46. You want to know what that is? Okay, I'm going to tell it to you. That's how many walls they could have built if they would have used 52 days for the last 144 years, if they would have started on the day the wall was destroyed. So they could have built 1,011 walls in that time if they could rebuild the wall in 52 days. Okay? Now, put another number for you. What number is that? Anybody can read that number? 309. You know what number that is? That number is if you gave them a 100-year break from the fall of Jerusalem, 
okay? So that they started in 486 B.C., all right? Then they could have built 309 walls in between, in that time, from that point, all right, and gave them 44 years to do it. 309 walls in that time. So why didn't they do it? Because there's people sitting there, you know, I really wish that wall would just get rebuilt. Oh, it looks so beautiful. Before, my grandpa told me when they used to have gems and they shined like a diamond. Oh, I used to climb on that wall. Dear Jesus, please help rubble to fall from heaven and build that wall. That's Hanani. That's what Nehemiah's brother did. Oh, Lord, if you would just send somebody to rebuild that wall. That's why it took so long. Because all they wanted to do was complain about it. Talk about it. They had the people. Nehemiah didn't get them from somewhere else. They were there already. But it took one man that God sent to light a fire on it. Not in 5,200 days. Not in even 365 days and a quarter, because that would be long. 52 years they rebuilt that wall. I'll put up another number here. I know it's been 40 minutes. I don't know how long people preach here, but I'm in, uh, I preach really well. So. Okay, I hope you feel like you're on an adventure. I've seen you watch two-hour movies, so good luck. Okay. This number right here. Anybody know what this is? We got lunch plans, just open table with this. Okay. What's this number? Thank you, Libby. 27,356. You know what number that is? That's the population of Walnut. That's the population of the city of Walnut. Yeah, I looked it up this morning on Google. All right? Now, last year, you actually had 28,400 people. You guys actually lost 1,000 people. Okay? Where did they move? Tennessee, obviously. That's where all the Christians are moving to. All the pastors are moving there, too. Tennessee, land of the free, home of the brave. Okay. Right? Now, look at this percentage right here. You guys know what that is? You don't know. You should know. I'm educating you about your city. 56%. Asians. How dare you say that? No, 56% are the people between the ages of 18 and 65. Yeah, 56%? You think this place is only 56% Asian? Give me the next statistic, Maddie and Eric. Yeah! We did way better to fill this place. Okay? Yeah, more like 90. How dare you, sir? Yeah, 65%. Put it up there. Just put the word up there. Asians! <laughs> yeah. You got to know that. Put this number up there. 50%. You know what that is? That's the people that are not born in America. People like me, born in Canada. Yeah, foreign born. This is your city. The city where God put you all to do mission. To help build Christ into their life. Put it up there. Next slide. 2% versus 37%. 37% is the amount of Catholics 
there are in Walnut. Okay? Two percent is the amount of Baptists. Okay? So there's a lot of work to do, all right, in this city, your city, where God put you. So if you're sitting there, why am I still alive? Why did God move all my friends away? Why did he take them home and I'm still here in this city that I've lived in all my life? Well, because there are 27,000 people that need to know Jesus and they need to know him, all right, the right way. There's only 2% Baptists in your city, all right? So praise God for you, okay? So the question is, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, what are we doing when we think of this 27,000 people? It's not like, wow, that's a lot of people. Wow, that's a lot of foreign-born people that don't speak my language. No. If you're like that, then you're like, you know, Hanani. Oh, I sure hope somebody reaches them. Any day now, Jesus, you're going to send somebody. You know, I just know it. You're really going to let the wine-sipping dude from out of town come back here and tell you how to reach the people in your city? You have more pride than that. You have more love for God than that. Okay? What are we doing? We're going to reach those people. Amen? We're going to reach those people with First Baptist Walnut Valley. Amen? Oh, come on. That was a quiet amen. Amen? That's right. Okay? And we're going to do it together. Because we're better together. So let's do it. Now, what's together mean? It doesn't mean that this is all now. It's just people in this building. Okay? Thankfully, I come here telling you about your family. Okay? Put it up there for me. Give me my logo, the new one. Yeah. Okay? The Orange County Southern Baptist Association, we are with you. 154 Southern Baptist churches. We just grew by two the other day. Two Chinese churches to help reach the Chinese people in this area. Okay? We grew with you, and we are doing it together. And I don't care what they say, we're winning. Because we're winning souls for Jesus Christ. And we continue to build them up. Okay? We continue to build them up to know Jesus. All right? Just last night, if you forgive me for my voice, and if I feel appear a little tired, I was doing this. This is the Arabic Harvest Festival, the Christian Arabic Harvest Festival there in Anaheim. We invited a church from Fullerton, right, whose families now are getting bombed in Gaza, okay, to have a night of joy and of fellowship where we loved them, where we weren't afraid of them, and we partied it up with them, and we worshiped God together. Is that relevant? Yeah, yeah. Praise God. You can clap for that. It's okay. All right? And that's what your association is doing together. You're invited to those things. On Tuesday, my own church is doing a harvest festival, much like many other harvest festivals. We call it Celebration of Life because we ain't going to celebrate death on Halloween. We're going to celebrate life in Jesus Christ. And all we're doing is throwing a community carnival because our place where we live is a dangerous place. It's a little bit, you know, you know weird at night, okay? So we give the kids a safe place to go get some candy, play some games, and hear the gospel. Is that good? If that's good, say amen. amen. And if you ain't got nothing going on, come be a part of it. Okay, we'll put your church's name on it. Okay, that's what we do because we partner together. Okay, 
in just two weeks' time on November 11th. You know, just in case you're like, oh, you're just partying it up with the Arabic church. No. We're having the annual meeting for Orange County Southern Baptist Association. It's right there in La Habra. So it's actually closer to you. It's actually at the Bethany Romanian Baptist Church of La Habra. What? You got Romanian Baptist churches? Yes, we do. They're very straightforward people. Okay? Really straightforward people. There will be no coffee in the sanctuary. See, I, I didn't even try to bring coffee in the sanctuary. Okay? But the speaker for that is the president of the National Southern Baptist Messianic Fellowship, who happens to be a pastor in our association, Dr. Bruce Stouch, okay? He's going to be speaking there, okay? And we're going to be praying for Israel there, praying for what? For shalom. What is shalom? Well, it's just how the Jews greet you. I don't know what it means. No, it means peace. That's what we want. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Okay, and we're challenging you to also do this. Bring up the, yeah. You guys know what that is? This is what we're doing together as well. That's disaster relief. Average age of the people that go to that, almost 70 years old. But they get certified, and they are there in Hawaii. Okay, I feel so ashamed when I hear that the average age of there is 70 years old, because I'm 45. I'm like, where are all my 45-year-old dudes? Like, where are you? I ask them, oh, I'm working. I got kids, man. I got kids, too, okay? We got to go. Because all those houses got burned down in Maui. And I know you're watching all the reports on TV. Why don't you just get certified over like four hours and you can go there? And let me tell you, when you find that wedding ring that they lost in the fire, and even though you're standing there in the midst of their whole house, and you hand them the wedding ring and that's the only thing that matters, and you give them a hug with the love of Jesus Christ and that is you, you'll understand what faith in Christ is and doing the work of Christ and the love of Christ in your life. That's what we're doing. That's what we're continuing to do. We're not doing We're not just doing it alone. We're not just doing it as a group. We're doing it as a family. Everybody say family. That's what you are. And we're not this kind of family. We're not this. We're not a crime family. We're not just a biological family. Okay? We are the family of God. Matthew 12, he replied to him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Who said that? Oh, thank you, church. Jesus. How did you say Jesus without smiling? Everybody say Jesus. It literally makes your face smile. Jesus. Yeah. And he declares that we're a family if we do will of God together. If you don't do the will of God together, not a family. And I'm inviting you, so let's do it together. We're doing it as a family. We're doing it with passion. Do you feel the passion emanating? This is tired, Victor. We're doing it with a passion. Why? Because of the crowd of witnesses. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, there we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so let us throw off everything that hinders. I'm tired. I've done it already. It's somebody else's turn. Get out of here with that. Enough! Okay? I was a family medicine doctor. I specialized in geriatrics. And I left the medicine to be a pastor. And he took me to a church of older people. And the one thing I told those people is, I'm not going to treat you like your own. I'm going to treat you like my friend. And God's going to use you. And the only way I'm going to know that you can't do it is if you fall over. 
And then I'll pick you up. And hopefully we can get you to the hospital in time. You know what I mean? But if not, you'll see Jesus. And that's good. Almost lost one after the baptism. Oh, fell all the way down. But it's good. You know, baptize, then see Jesus. Not such a bad thing. You know? So, but there are people watching. And they're watching you. Jonathan, you're going to have to take some of what I said. Okay? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's our joy. And lastly, we need to do it with fervency. Fervency. You know why? When we say we're better together for what's next, you know what's next. Put it up there. Jesus is coming. And when I think of 27,000 people in Walnut, many of which need to know Jesus, and I think of the 99% of people from where my family lives, Highland, who aren't Christians. I'm so thankful that God paused, couldn't come and see. I know we all pray, Jesus, come now, because we get so tired. And we just want to sleep. But I'm so grateful that for my family and for some of my friends who don't know him, that he has waited so that we can do the work together. Brothers and sisters, it took 52 days to build that wall that stood in rubble for 147 years. Let's not watch the rubble behind us, around us, or even in us, and just pray that God does something. Let's pray that God does something. On together for the glory of his name. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to be here with an amazing church family. What a joy it is to be reunited with so many of them. But to meet so many new ones, Heavenly Father. Family I didn't even know that I had, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for them. First, I want to pray that you bless them. This is a new week, Lord Jesus. It starts with today. You're starting it off right. So, Father, bless them this week with opportunity to serve you in a way that they might feel your presence and know that you are there. Heal them, Father God, if they are sick. Some are sick in the heart. Some are physically sick. Some of them have been scarred for a long time. Oh, great healer, would you heal them today, Lord Jesus, through your mighty power and love. Father, guide us. Guide us to work together as a family, forgiving each other when the little things happen, even the things that hurt, Father God, and helping us to move forward, Father, in you, so that those who don't know you can come to know you, and those who do can come to grow. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for this church. May you bless it to grow in every way. And may you fill them with your love and your joy with each passing day. In Jesus' name we pray.